Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable and happy to be joined this week in studio by former University of Montana Grizzly and former St. Louis and then Los Angeles Ram Chase Reynolds. Chase, thanks so much for being here, man. Great to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're certainly happy to have you here. There's a ton to get to uh, in in your career or maybe the current state of affairs at the University of Montana. But one place we wanted to start with is the Grizzlies getting ready to host Weber State in a top five matchup in the nation this weekend. Uh, you had some pretty epic battles with the Weber State Wildcats Bobby Houck's first time around, and when you were in school, uh, Weber State, the one team, I believe, in the Big Sky Conference that beat Montana in a conference game. It was at Weber State in like a four-year stretch. It was the one loss. And then the following year, I believe, in a playoff game, you yourself had a very nice day, 200 and change. Thank you very much. And uh, a little bit of retribution. What do you remember, though, about Weber State when you were playing? Because they were maybe the, in terms of, of uh, competition, the rival of you guys while you were while you were playing for the Grizzlies. Yeah, definitely. They were they were always tough. And I, and I would call it while we were playing back in from 08, 09, um, they they were a rival. Uh, we we played down there in the rain. It was it was a, a crappy day, and um, they ended up beating us down there. And um, I know we had a chance that year to come back up here in the playoffs and and uh, and play them. And um, I, I remember we had a great offensive plan. I know Cell uh, was kind of running QB, and and I remember that game because we had we basically had options. So we had when we got to the line of scrimmage, there was two options, and 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 Cell had the opportunity to call one or the other, and. Um, you know, it was just a good day. I know we were fired up to, to kind of get back at them. They kind of ruined our perfect season. It was our only loss that year. Right. Um, so when they came back up here, Montana, it was you know it, we were all uh, just looking at looking at getting back at them uh, and trying to go. Obviously, it was a playoff game, and um, yeah, I guess 240 yards later, obviously it was you know our line was incredible that year, and 
um, I just ran behind them and and uh, and then ran in front of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tried to run around, run through whatever I could. Right. Do, so. do you remember anything specifically about those Weber teams? Because they had a couple iconic guys, right? They met that Trevin Smith. Trevin Smith, yes. who actually passed away last year. I was oh, shocked by that. It was totally out of nowhere. Oh wow, I didn't know that. I I do know he was a he was a great running back. I know yeah. I always kind of you know watched him run and watched him. He was always a big physical runner. Um, so he was definitely somebody I, I kind of enjoyed watching on the other side while, um, you know, not while he was playing us, but obviously. <laughs> when you when you played and you have a guy on uh, that that is, you know, another running back, obviously you can't play running backs. You're playing defenses. But is there a, a, a I'm going to play better than this guy, I want to prove that I'm better than, than him because <laughs> I know he's good or something like yeah. that, or is it just uh, I'm going to do my thing? Um, I guess I was probably more, I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah. Um, I never tried to compare myself. I just always tried to be the best me, I guess, um, if that makes sense. But I, you know, I never, for me, I never idolized another runner. Um, you know, I just always tried to do what I could do best and, and never, never looked at anybody and thought, wow, I wish I could be them or I wish I could do that. So um, I think that kind of made me a little bit different than a lot of people. I just, um, you know, I had a standard for myself and that was, that's what I needed to accomplish. So. It's interesting. Those two guys, Chase and Trevin, basically dominated the first team All Big Sky, the rushing titles, everything. Yeah. I, mean, I think Trevin Smith is one of only two guys in the history of the Big Sky Conference that's a non specialist that was first team All League four years in a row. Wow. Pretty impressive career. Absolutely. And Chase was th- first team All League three years in a row. I, I know you guys were battling back and forth. Those teams are so yeah. memorable, though. I mean, Cam Higgins was kind of one of the first real dual threat guys in the Big Sky. Tim Toon ended up being. <laughs> uh, he ended up being Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last guy That's drafted right. in the NFL draft. Man, I would give my house and both cars to be Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> I can tell you, you get, that. I, I can tell you. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I would get them back new, yeah, presumably, right? <laughs> a little 15-year upgrade for me. The the run that you guys went on, 31-1 and in the Big Sky Conference, Bobby Hawks, last four years. I know that led up to your junior year, but that one loss was the Weaver State loss, but you were able to avenge it. But during those times, play well. Don't play well. It didn't matter. You guys figured out a way to win. Why? What was the, what was the mindset of the team at that point that helped you guys finish games like you did? Yeah, I think I think it was a lot what Bobby, what Hauk brought to the team. I mean, it was you know I want to talk a little bit about relationship between a player and a coach. Um, I don't really know if we had one. It was it was you knew what to expect. I mean, he wasn't somebody you joked around with. He wasn't somebody that you had fun with. Um, and it was kind of. Uh, I almost look back at it now as a, a father figure that was just, I mean, he, he expected things of you, and if you didn't do them, then ultimately you were either punished or, or something else happened. So um, I just I think kids these days have lost the mentality of, of we really as a team fought for each other. I mean, I remember one of, the, one of the things I remember going out before a game is Bobby would, we'd say, the, we'd say a prayer, and then he'd say, hey, I want you guys to look at each other and know that when, when you go out on that field, these are who you're fighting for. And I remember that because I used to just get this feeling in my stomach, like, man, these guys are literally fighting for me and I would do whatever I could for them. And it was just a, it was a team bonding. Um, and you went out there, you didn't go out there for yourself. You went out there for your brothers and everybody around you. And, and you just, you just kind of knew that that's what was going to happen. So was there a level at which you, 
I, I wouldn't say rallied, quote unquote, against Bobby Houck, but you knew that you were all in the same boat. You have the deist God here who's just <laughs> separate from the world, and you guys only have each other, so yeah. to speak, in that respect, while you're playing for each other in this brother brotherhood, this mm -hmm. bond that you have, but also he sort of made that such by the distance that he created? He, he did, and, and I, I look at it now and going, you know, I understand mm -hmm. why we weren't friends. I mean, I and and back when you're in college, you're like, man, this guy hates me. You know, mm -hmm. he's he's a jerk. Um, but now, you know, you grow up, you're around, you have your own kids, and you start to realize that that's what you need as a coach. You you need that guy that's got a little bit distance, but for some reason you fight for him. Um, and he was he's he's great at that. And um, you know, to have Bobby back, I think he's I think he's exactly what Missoula needed. Um, you know, kids these days are. You know, they're a little bit softer. Sorry, guys, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry about it. You're pretty, I'm you guys, older I'm than you! I'm talking to the kids. <laughs> Anybody's <just> listening. <laughs> I don't know if you feel older than I do, but... Yeah, uh, well, and, and he, this is interesting, too, because Bobby Houck, when he was first hired, I think was 37 yeah, years old. Yeah, 37 right? or 38, yep. And so, you know, just into his 40s. I mean, he's a young guy. Mm -hmm. And I think there's maybe a level with young coaches where they think they... Probably need yep. some distance because it would be easy to be friends Absolutely. with your guys. Yep. And I wonder now, because I do think my impression of Bobby the second time around is he's certainly got all the edge yeah. that he's ever had. But I think there's a little more, maybe yeah. moment for a laugh, maybe a moment of, you know, encouragement that maybe wasn't there the first time. Do you see some of that? Yeah, I, I do. And I think that's that's years of coaching. It's, it's yeah. hard to stay that level of intensity. I mean, he was an intense coach and... I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys remember my first game, but um, it was against Cal Poly, and, and uh, I mean, he pulled me out, he grabbed me by the helmet, and he was screaming in my face because I did some things wrong, and um, you know that's the Bobby that I remember. And I don't know if I see that, you know, I think he's he's uh, he's calmed down a little bit. I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh. well, he's got Brent Pease and Barry Sachs now, <laughs> yeah. so he's just got henchmen he, to exactly. do the work that he was going to well, do before. I, I tell you, that, I tell you now, it don't matter how much you produced. I mean, Narcus Knight scored 17 touchdowns this year. He fumbled in the red zone. He was benched yeah. for the That's rest it. of the first half. So yeah. Bobby's still yeah. still on it, like in yeah. that element for sure. I think Colt Anderson, he was in here uh, a couple months ago, and he explained it great too. He said. He's the common enemy that you want to that you want to die for. Still, Absolutely. Uh, that I think it's it's such a brilliant coaching tactic. I I I could talk about the psychological aspects of this forever because I think that it is so interesting in college football or across the country. You've seen everybody gravitate towards family style programs, and and there's, to a certain extent, that's awesome. And I think especially when you're recruiting kids from really disadvantaged backgrounds that never had love in their lives, mm -hmm. I think you can get guys to really sell out for you. And I don't think it's the wrong way to do it, right? but I mean, there was that great video when they had Coach Houck mic'd up during fall camp, and Josh Sandry, Jesse Sims, and Dante Olson are all sitting there stretching, and Houck's talking to him, and he says, when are you guys graduating? And they all say, December, Coach, December, December. He goes, man, when you guys graduate... Maybe we could be friends. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then he looks at me and goes, "Nah, <laughs> says, acquaintances, yeah. acquaintances." And it's classic. And Coach Huck doesn't even pull any punches. When it, I mean, it, when he got hired, he said, "Hey, I am here to be the coach yep. of the Montana Grizz. I'm, yes. You guys have all your friends. I hope you're friends with each other. We are not friends. Yep. I am your coach." And I think it's a great divide. I think it's something that's missing in America broadly across the board. Yeah, no, and I agree, and that's what I said after I was done playing, and I'm like, you know, all through my career, I was like, I don't know if this guy even likes me. Um, but after, you know, we, we went down and actually visited him down at UNLV, and, um, you know, I'm, shoot, every time I see Bobby, it's, it's you know, I, I would say that we're, we're good friends, and um, it's just such a different level of, of 
what I felt in college and what I feel now. So I definitely respect the hell out of Bobby, and um, I love what he's doing. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. You, uh, Chase Reynolds, in studio with us, uh, former Grizz, graduated in 2010, went on to uh, play in the NFL for six seasons. And uh, Chase, when you finished your last year at the University of Montana, it was almost the climax of a decade and a half or two decades of the program at the University of Montana being built, obviously various national championships and stuff in there, but in terms of just utter dominance of the field, I mean, it, it, you you had you were part of a run that was unparalleled, really, in college football. Period. Since that time, we know what's happened. We know what's transpired, and there's a lot of explanations or portion strands as, as to why that's happened. But when you look at the program now, what do you see? Both, you know, in terms of the last, I don't know, handful of years, maybe going back to. Delaney, Bob Stitt, and now with Bobby Houck. Obviously, everybody thinks, and it is obviously trending up from a football standpoint, but from uh, a program university, what do you see there, and what is what is different to you now maybe still than it was when you were there? You know, I think they're, I mean, they're definitely trending up. We can all see that, and I think a lot to do with, you know, maybe when Stitt was here, you know, I think it's Montana guys, and there's always something about the Montana guys that we had, um, and, and I, I've seen this through, my NFL career, I look back on our college career, and it's kind of a cliche, but I would take I would take tough guys over athletes, you know, mm-hmm. over talented athletes that um, go back to the saying, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Um, but ultimately, that's what Montana is. I mean, we were a bunch of, and I don't consider myself a great athlete. Um, in that 2008, 2009, 2010 season, um, just the Montana guys that were willing to fight for you. And that, and that's, that's what it was. They were tough, hard nosed Montana boys that weren't athletic, but they would go out there and kick your butt if you lined up next to them. So I was, I think I start to see that again. And that's, I really think that's what was lost through those years where we, we see these guys. I mean, we see these offenses that were, were trying to score, you know, 60 points a game, but you look back at what we did and we'd run the ball for eight minutes straight, you know, and that's, that's something that just, that wears teams out. Um, you have to have guys that are physically, mentally ready to do that, and and I don't I don't see that these days here at the university. Right. Um, I want to talk about you for a minute. Some people make incremental progress. Maybe some people make incremental digression. I don't know over the course <laughs> of their lives. But from a football standpoint, you go from Drummond to Division One football to the University of Montana, 
And then nationally, you talk about one AA FCS football to the NFL. You made two giant leaps in your life in terms of the level at which you were playing. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, there's an entry point there where you worked your way in yeah. at the university, you worked your way into the league. But when did you know coming out of Drummond, hey, I could play Division One football at the University of Montana. Great as you were. I mean, you were... I probably one, scored 150 times. An all-timer. No, no, I mean, I get it. But, I mean, it's still different, right? I yeah. mean, when you're going and, and you, you know, you're in Washington Grizzly Stadium, and then from that point when you're going and playing, you know, in the NFL, how, how does that mentally, how do you deal with that? You know, you asked me when I, when I, when I knew I could play. And, yeah. and honestly, the, the real answer is never. I mm. never... <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? It's like, I, no, I get, I, I, you know, it's not, I, I never, I was like, you know what? I, I think I can play college football. It was just, it was happening and it was like, I don't, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to go try. And then, you know, it was, it was always a constant, even from, from college to the NFL. I mean, every, every day it was like, well, I, now I got to I've got the spot. Now I got to keep it. Yeah. So it was never, I was, I was never satisfied and I was always working to, to be better. So I guess in my mind, it was never I never thought, oh, hey, I've made it. And, yeah. I, and I think that's really why I had success is I, you know, as, as much as, you know, I want to say that, that I worked hard and I did all this, I did all that, is I was just never satisfied. Mm-hmm. I always worked for my positions. Even when I started here at the university, it was, I was always so close to losing my spot. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I never got complacent and, and I always just tried to be the best that I could be and, um you know, when it was when I was in high school, and it was the thought of college, it was kind of a whirlwind. I was I had no idea. Maybe I could go play at Carroll. Maybe I could go play at Tech. Maybe I could play at the university, and uh, you know, just kind of snowballed and and never looked back and just kept grinding. Coming from eight man, they tried to get receiver the <laughs> yeah. first year and a half or so. I remember covering the, the spring ball, and I had remembered watching you in high school, and I'm like, why are they doing this at receiver? Why don't they play this guy at running back? But then when you got your shot at running back, I think you rushed for like 175 yards against Northern Colorado. And that just parlayed it and having such a great yeah, couple years behind a great offensive line. But was there elements of frustration? How did you get through the times when you go from multiple-time state champion, Class C superstar, to sort of toiling on the roster and not getting any playing time? Yeah, uh, it was tough. I mean, the, the point where they're going to move you back to running back and – I mean, move you back to wide receiver. You know, I guess for me it was – I just said, well, okay, if I'm not going to be running back, then I'm going to be the best wide receiver. So I went out there and obviously wasn't even close to being a good wide receiver. Um, But, uh, you know, that was my mentality. If I wasn't going to be a running back, then I'll be the best wide receiver. And so I I played wide receiver, um, worked at it, and then I had the opportunity to – and really I don't know if you guys know the story of why I got moved back to running back. No. Um, It was – I don't know if you guys remember the Idaho State game where – Coleman, he was the the backup. I think Lex. Oh yeah, was, Greg Coleman. Yeah. This is what a story this <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, talk about just a confluence of events. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, Lex, I think Lex was hurt. He had hurt his thumb. Uh, we got back from Idaho State. Coleman gets arrested coming off the buses. Um, I want to say I think Reggie Bradshaw was hurt. Um, so it was really we were down like three running backs, mm. and I remember having a conversation with Mike Hudson, who was our coach, and said, "Hey, we're going to move you back to running back." Um, just because you know the plays, don't plan on playing, don't plan on anything. This is basically in case all the other running backs go down, you're going to get it. Way to instill confidence, <laughs> yeah, coach. like, geez, well, uh, is this a thank you or don't get my hopes up because you're, you know, after the season you're moving back to running back so or moving back to wide receiver. So it really, the way it unfolded was by accident. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that they saw anything on the field and thought, well, let's move him back to running back. It was, 
it was other people's mistakes and I got moved back and I, I remember that spring they didn't know what to do and um, actually I'm sorry it was winter ball and they kind of him hawed on what they were going to do with me and I, I I think at that point I just said you know what I'm going to work my butt off I'm going to get in the weight room I'm going to gain some weight and they're not going to be able to, to move me anywhere so and, and that's really where it all started yeah. winter ball I remember I remember a couple of coaches going hey we're noticing you so it was just like man that's just just keep going keep grinding and spring ball got here and um I just tried to punish people on the other side, and then that's just kind of snowballed in, and I was fighting for a spot, and um, that was kind of the start of, of it all. Wow. There's, there's such an interesting motivational dynamic there, too, because you mentioned the Montana guys, and I thought I think one of the most underrated factors of those last couple of years of the Hauk teams was the team had so much depth that Bobby was able to redshirt almost yeah. every guy, especially the Montana guys. So then you guys lived in the dorms, same floor. Everybody's close, so you, you have these friendships. But then you also saw so many guys from Montana. I mean, all the guys from my class, all the guys from your class, every single one of them, not necessarily the most talented guy. Hauk would bring in a transfer, or he'd bring in a super talented out-of-state guy, and he would hype them up, and they'd always not be the guy that started. It yeah. would always be Sean Lebsock in the middle, not the the big hype transfer. It would always be Mike Ferreter, wide receiver, yeah. Yeah. not the Notre Dame and UCLA transfers. And I, just, I thought it was a, a fascinating Motivational tactic, but it speaks to what you're talking about, too, yeah. just the fact that you guys are willing to sell out for each other and just that Montana identity as well. It is. It holds a powerful punch. I mean, when you you start talking about Montana, Montana pride, I mean, there's a lot of pride in Montana, and, uh, you know, that's one of the main reasons why I'm back here. I mean, I, I love Montana. I love the people here and, and the way they just support, um, and it's just got a special feel. You know, I've had the opportunity to go live in a couple different states, um, and uh, there's just something about Montana. When you go and have an opportunity to to get signed by the Rams and go to camp. And I know you were there and then I think waved and then brought back in and then eventually worked your way into, you know, a permanent year-in, year-out spot. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of see where that maybe came from, some of the work ethic and stuff like that. But also I've seen, I think a lot of NFL guys, are so, so much about fit, about finding the right spot, and there's a lot of guys who can play that don't end up because they land at the wrong spot, and other guys that do land at the right spot. What was it like for you to go to St. Louis, obviously eventually migrating to, to L.A., and and what was the fit like there for you? You know, when I first got there, I had no idea. I I, I think they brought me in as a fullback mm. slash running back slash special teams guy. Um, and, and I think, you know, you, you kind of hit on it. You've got to you got to find a spot. How do I fit in here? How do I make it so they can't cut me? Um, and that's what, you know, one of my coaches told me that. He said, make it make it hard for them to get rid of you. Give them a reason to keep you around. And my reason to keep me around is I I, I could do everything. I mean, if you needed somebody on defense, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I didn't even ask. I just jumped in. Um, you need somebody to run wide receiver routes, I'm in. Um, you need somebody to place Kick, place hold. I mean, right. I, I learned how to long snap. I learned how to, mm. I learned how to hold. Um, mm. I mean, anything. It was just like you know. And that was my reasoning: is is why do you keep me around? Because I can do everything that you ask, um, and I will do more. I, I will. I'll play on the scout team. I'll play. Um, I played DN. I mean, I I, I went up against uh, um, our starting offensive lineman when I, I'd run. I'd I'd get a DN. I'd jump in at nose tackle, and and I just you know it was that was kind of 
that was my niche. Hey, Aaron, excuse me. Yeah, could yeah, you hey, just take this one off? I got this one. In fact, I, I probably showed him a couple moves. So yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think know if so. He's, I just gave me credit for that. Yet, this is but. what you're doing wrong with your hands, <laughs> yeah. Donald. Yeah. Uh, let me help you out. Hey, I, I, I got to ask you this, too, because, uh, you know, the NFL, football occupies such an amazing spot in America, mm-hmm. in Americana, and the NFL, the, the, the zenith of that sport. Uh, when you get into the league, people don't care. I mean, basically, if you're, you know, Joe Montana, or, if you're playing for the Rams, they go, oh, my God, look at oh, this is amazing. Now, you're, you know, you're married. You've been married a long time. You're married while you were in the NFL and the whole thing, kids and the whole deal. So you're not, you know, doing everything that everybody's right. doing all the time. But what was it like to be a professional football player, which so very few people get to experience, but so very many people, uh, uh, you know, laud and look up to yeah, no, I think the the one thing people don't really get is it, it's a job. I mean, as mm. as much as you know, it looks fame and fortune and looks all great on TV. I mean, the the amount of work that's put in, and then also what you don't see is the amount of guys coming in each day. I mean, you don't see the guys getting cut. You don't see every Tuesday there's ten guys over there warming up because they're going to work out for your spot. Um, you know, you d- you don't see the conversations of hey, if you don't make a play. We don't know what to do with you. So I guess for me it was, you know, it's a, it's, it was a different mentality. Is I, I, I always was the guy on the bubble. You know, I was never, I, I never got that feeling of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to work hard. You know, I got my spot. So um, it was just a constant, I guess, uh, fight of how do I stay on this roster? How do I stay alive? So, um, you know, as, as much as people think, oh, man, it's so great to be in the NFL, I was like, well, Yes, it had its moments where you look around and go, man, this is just fantastic. This is awesome. I can't believe that I'm here. But 360 days a year, it's it's keep your head down and, and try to stay employed. Um, so that, you know, to me it was tough. I mean, there was moments where I was, I was, you know, on my way home. I mean, we were going, we were packing boxes, and I was cut for a month and didn't know what to do. And um, so those times, I mean, you, you never forget those. And those are the moments that, you, you know, when things are going great, so it kind of <laughs> kicks you in the back and goes, hey, don't forget why you're here and how you got here. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Well, whatever job you have out there in the world, you don't have to actually fight Alec Ogletree, okay? So think <laughs> about that as like a nice part of what you don't do for a living. Yeah. What uh, sometimes you do have to do when you're grinding it out in camp. Mike, Mike Person, former Montana State Bobcast yeah. from Glendale. I think you guys are probably yeah, actually crashed past. Uh, yep. I mean, he, he told a story on this exact uh, show saying... 
Man, when I got cut from the practice squad for what I thought was the last time, and I told my wife I was going to do it one more time, she said, well, you're going to be on your own then, buddy, because we're not moving for a fifth time. I'm I'm good. I'm staying here. You can go chase whatever dreams. But from that element, just the family element, I mean, you have to have so much gratitude for your wife for letting you pursue it, this dream like you did yeah. when it is so uncertain. I, you know, I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she sat there and, and uh, you know, looked at me and go, what are we going to do? I mean, there was a moment we had... We were in St. Louis. We had two kids. Uh, we were living in an apartment, and we had three hundred dollars. And I said, well, "We have enough to get home, and that's and we'll get home, and this is it. I'm done." Um, I had been cut for a month. I mentioned earlier, and um, we didn't know. We didn't have the answers, and and she just said, "I I believe in you. You do what you need to do." And um, I applied for jobs in St. Louis, and went and got a gym membership at Gold's Gym, and um, had worked out, you know, my time off, and um, you know, she's she's given up so much for us and our family. I mean, people talk about the work that I put in and this and that. And I mean, to be somebody, you know, to, to take care of our kids and sit there and depend on somebody and go, Hey, what's the next step? I'm here for you. I'm here with you. Um, you know, I just, she's an amazing woman and, um, you know, I'm just, I'm so blessed to have her and, and stand beside me no matter what. And so special thanks to her. Before we get you out of here, we got to ask you about Drummond, Montana, because I think Drummond is one of the awesome places in Montana. Yeah. And when you look at the football program, I mean, there's like 300 people in Drummond, Montana, and they, they, they produced four or five Division One guys last decade, and it's always been a hotbed. Great little mill there, by the way. My dad takes his posts and pulls from the oh, yeah. uh, solo logging operation over <laughs> yep. the Drummond. So, uh, shout out Drummond, Montana. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I know, I know, having uh, Joe Big Mill having a bunch of kids definitely gives you some D one talent because <laughs> yeah. all of those guys, You're all right. those guys were good so enough to play. Through. Yeah, but, but. Those Drummond teams that you played on, I mean, that was the stuff of legend. They created the running clock in Class C high school because you guys were beating teams so bad. I remember driving up the freeway going watching you guys on Saturday afternoons, and I mean, it was 50 to nothing at halftime most of the time. You almost never played in the second half of a game. Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys outscored opponents something like 500 to 20 your senior year or something like that. I think the only time you guys uh, I don't know gave if they up. scored 20. But. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think, I think you guys might have given up. I think it was nine. I, 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 I Get think, your numbers sorted I, I, out. I, I truly, Single digits, I, tru- I truly think they didn't give up a touchdown until the state championship game. I think that's yep. a real stat. Yep. Unbelievable. Just killing people. But how did that influence your life, though? Becoming from a working class community like that, so much pride in football. I mean, going to a drumming game back then, at that moment in time, there was more guys dressing for Drummond High School yeah. games than Hellgate High School games. And yeah. there's a three, there's a 300-person town. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got 30 I, guys on the sidelines. So I think uh, there was a time where we had 45 guys out, 46 boys in high school. Um, every kid in the high school yep, was dressing for football. And if Remarkable. he wasn't, he was up in the crow's nest filming. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, I guess that small town, you know, it was just, it, it was... Uh, we started to build something special, and it wasn't before. I mean, we had a couple of good teams before I got there, and um, like I said, it would just come down to the kids. We had a good group. My class was a was a big class. I think we had twenty five kids, and we were a big class to get through. Drive. Right. Um, I think we had less than a hundred kids in the high school, um, but you know, it was just it was kind of we were all friends, and we were we were just out there having fun, and it just turned into you know I think we all had summer jobs, um, and I and I contribute that to a lot of my success it was just the ability to work at a young age. I mean, the accountability, the getting there on time to, to having a job and seeing it through. Um, I really look back and I go, you know, small town guys that, had, that we, we had to work, right. And we had to drive ourselves to work and we had to get there. We had to be there on time. We didn't have our parents, you know, they had their own jobs. So, um, you know, it was just that, that's kind of that small town. We were all good friends and 
happened to love football and had great coaches. You know, Jim Oberweiser and J.C. Holland were a great group of guys, and they taught us, you know, how to be dominant but how to be respected and, and how to play the game the way it should be played. Chase Reynolds in studio with us. It's the ESPN Roundtable. Uh, we're still a little ways away, but I think we're still within the <laughs> time frame that I can ask this. What's, give me your best Cat Grizz memory. I think it would have had to been, well, my favorite memory of the Cat Grizz game was probably, it was 2008, we were dressed in uh, the throwbacks, yep. and uh, for some reason, I remember we had a great drive at the end of it, I was running in the end zone, and and uh, I scored a touchdown, but I saw a kid standing there, and I went and, and tried to run him over in the end zone, and got up, and he got in my face, got a flag, and it was just that kind of the, I think we just had like an eight-minute drive. So it was just the, the topping, but I remember that that game to me is super special. Just because I remember the feeling of of Bobby bringing them jerseys out. We didn't know, and it was uh, I want to say Friday night where we always had a team meeting, and he's got this bag in front of him, and we're getting all hyped up, and we always watch a highlight video, and here he is this, this bag, and he pulls out the old helmet and the old jersey, and it was just like man, he's like this is what we're wearing, and it was just a feeling of why you know it was I can't explain it. Yeah. It was just so cool. So to be. To be in that and out in that entire out in that attire and in the game, um, it was just a it was a great feeling, and we, we I think we ran all over them and and had a great game. So it's awesome. For the record, the kid he's speaking about is a football player. Wasn't just somebody. <laughs> oh, he wasn't in the were, stands. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. ran over. In fact, I got some guy the other day gave me a picture of that. Really? Yeah, it was a, it gave me a big a big poster. And he said, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time where you, you know, you ran in the end zone and hit the kid, and he got up, got my face, got a penalty, and uh, he said, I, I snapped a picture of it. And um, it's a pretty neat, neat picture he gave to me the other day. So That's awesome. Chase, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. Thanks for being here yeah. and doing this. Uh, we're happy to have you in the uh, Missoula community as yeah. you go through, and yep. uh, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on and enjoyed it. And if you ever need me back, let me know. See you tomorrow. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What time? Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Hey, would you do me a favor personally? Would you do me a personal favor? Okay. You don't have to give me a car. If you want to give me a car, you can do that, too. That would be fun. Or you could just follow on Instagram and Twitter at 102.90ESPN. Okay? Go down there. We have uh, been giving some stuff away. Want to remind everybody... 
tickets to the Grizzly Weber State game, we got them for you on the Twitter and the Instagram. At 1029 ESPN, go follow right now. Hashtag ESPN Grizz Pick. Okay, that's what you want to tag. Send us your best photo. Your best photo from the season. This is the last home game of the year for the Montana Grizzlies in the regular season. And so we want to see the fun that you've been having, tailgating, families, in the games, next to the games, walking around. Give us your best Grizz pick from the season and send it to at uh, 1029 ESPN, either on Twitter or Instagram, and tag it, hashtag ESPN Grizz pick. We will pick our four finalists, and tomorrow, pay attention on their uh, on the social medias, we will upload our four top picks, their four finalists, as a poll, and you, you the people, are going to vote on your favorite one, the winner getting a pair of tickets to go to the Grizzly-Weber State game on Saturday at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Going to be a great, great game, a fun atmosphere uh, on Saturday afternoon. So make sure that uh, you participate. And, hey, maybe you win a couple of tickets and go to the thing. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. want to remind you this week, uh, Jay Hill, the Weber State head coach, he's going to join us, be on with us uh, tomorrow. Also, Anthony Knockreiner to get us all set for the weekend that is coming up in uh, in uh, high school playoff football. Uh, I'm on the Knock On Sports tonight coming up this evening, so if you're up there in the Kalispell area listening in, uh, you can... Uh, Check into KEGZ up there uh, in uh, in the Flathead uh, area and then Kalispell. And uh, we have a nice chat about uh, all things football and even some basketball stuff as well. So go listen in there. We will also have, I believe, Dane Oliver on the show, the head coach of the uh, Sentinel Spartans. Again, Sentinel hosting the first state semifinal game in, I don't know, well, certainly since 2000 for Sentinel. There's been, uh, I don't know, I don't know when the last game set, uh, set, they were in the state semifinals two years ago, but it was a road game. So to host uh, this one on Friday night, 7 o'clock against Bozeman, this is going to be a great game. These two teams did not match up during the year, Bozeman and Sentinel, uh, but uh, obviously a, a great matchup for you. Two one-loss teams, Sentinel's only lost to Butte who is the only unbeaten in the Class AA level, and the Butte Bulldogs, they're hosting Billings West. Uh, that game also at 7 o'clock. I love the symmetry of where they're playing these two games at the exact same time. And the Ranch Stadium in Butte, and then uh, here at Missoula County Stadium in Missoula. It's going to be a really, really fun weekend uh, there. Obviously, all the others, uh, other ones, too. But Dane Oliver, he's got those guys rolling. And uh, Jackson Lee, future Grizz, you want to go watch him play? Friday night's your, your opportunity. You should go check this game out. If you're hanging out, on Friday, get to the stadium. Go watch a semi state semifinal playoff game uh, in uh, in Missoula in Western Montana. 1983, I'm told. Okay, the last time that the Sentinel Spartans hosted a state semifinal. That's amazing. That's uh, fantastic. So congratulations to uh, to to Dane and the staff and the whole team over there at Sentinel because they are well. They're in the Final Four, and for crying out loud, they're the number two seed, two seed in the state hosting. I don't know if you watched last night, Oregon State playing Oklahoma. They're rolling right now, the Beavers men's basketball team, and Trace and Wayne Tinkle featured on Jay Billis' 94 feet. You know, this has been, become like a thing, right? A bunch of, a bunch of uh, you know, one-and-donners, a bunch of NBA guys do walking the length of the floor with Jay Billis talking hoop and all that. Well, you get the father-son combo, a couple of Montana shout-outs yesterday. Obviously, Wayne Tinkle, uh, the last coach prior to Travis DeCure at the University of Montana men's basketball, and then, uh, you know, how do you say it? 
harvested trace right out of Hellgate High School uh, over there to go play for the Beavers. Probably probably good. He's doing a great job, though, here early in this season. I think uh, Oregon State, certainly a team to watch. They've been playing really, really well and uh, and are, are rolling here through the first couple, three games of the season. Uh, so good for them there. Uh, the YouTube channel, I want to remind you that you can go check us out on YouTube uh, every single day. Plus, you can check that out if you would like the visual aid, which, I mean... Why wouldn't you want the visual aid on the show? Uh, you can go watch that anytime as well. It doesn't just have to be live. And then I want to remind everybody, a week from Friday, the day before the Brawl of the Wild, we will be in Bozeman this year, the game at Bobcat Stadium, Saturday the 23rd. Coulter and I on the 22nd going to do our show from the Universal Athletic in Bozeman. We'll also have up-top clothing uh, being a part of that, so we appreciate uh, that. But we're really looking forward to being over there on Friday the 22nd and have a bunch of stuff uh, for you on that one. The Seattle Seahawks, they're on a bye week this week. How about that? So this weekend, a Sunday doubleheader, uh, which we will get you. Uh, I'll get you the list of those games. So the Seattle Seahawks, you know, they were supposed to have four consecutive primetime games, and then in two weeks was going to be the next one that they're available for after the, the bye week. They got flexed out of it. The Seattle uh, uh, game, it got flexed out. I think they're playing the Eagles that day in in favor of the Niners Packers game uh which hmm, hard to argue hard to argue I guess I thought it was in favor of like a Bears Eagles game I was going what's going on here but I found it's 2 weeks away so uh there you go the Green Bay Packers going to be your Sunday nighter in uh, 2 weeks time and not the CLC nonetheless Seahawks a couple of primetime games coming up as they run down the schedule. Boys and girls, have a wonderful evening. Thanks for being with Coulter and I today. We'll see you tomorrow. Detail New One is ESPN Radio, SWX Montana. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, We have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.